0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm.
2: It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch.
1: Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023, where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com.
2: That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today.
0: 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh,
1: let me guess, for elite athletes only
0: right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you try Peloton bikes, tread or row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial.
2: I'm Drew Elliott from Seven Stones. You're listening to the Hope Rocks podcast with Jay Scott.
1: activities. I'm being pulled by my felonious proclivities. Look in the mirror with such crystal clear lucidity. Become more aware of my life's vacant vicinity. Whoa! So
3: hey everybody, what's going on, what's happening, how you doing? Hope everything's alright with you. It is Saturday night, and I'm feeling alright. It's Jay Scott, and I am your host on the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. You can check out all the great podcasts on pantheonpodcast.com, Follow him on Twitter at Pantheon Pods and follow us on Twitter at the Hook Rocks. Follow us wherever you do podcast, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get all the brand new Hook Rocks episodes. It's Daylight Savings Day. We get an extra hour of sleep tomorrow. I am excited for that. You know you're old when you get excited for an extra hour of sleep at no cost. So everybody sleep in, enjoy the extra hour. It is well-deserved for all of us. Had the pleasure of seeing Blacktop Mojo. Got Cat coming up here soon to do a great interview. Cat's the bass player for Blacktop Mojo. Saw them this past Wednesday at the rock house in dundee illinois just an absolute fantastic show fantastic venue everybody knows or people locally here know the venues like the metro the vic aragon the riviera you know those are all great venues in the city i'm sure i'm forgetting a couple house of blues and some others as well and and there's some really good ones in the suburbs and you know, I've been to The Forge quite a bit out in Joliet. Uh, there's the Brower House in Lombard. There's Dirty Nelly's in Palatine that has a show from time to time. But I love, and my favorite place is the Rock House in Dundee. It's just a very cool venue. It used to be one of those old theaters that every kind of downtown area has. A lot of them were dollar theaters back in the day when we were growing up. Well, they took out you know, the screen and the seats, and they made this into a concert venue. At least I think that's how the story goes. I could be wrong, but it is kick-ass. It is just a great ambiance, great feel. Uh, I saw Mammoth there earlier this year. I've seen Ryan Roxy, the guitar player from Alice Cooper, and I saw LA Guns there. It's such a uh, a cool venue. I wish more bands coming through would play there. I wish they would have you know, more of the younger bands. I know Dirty Honey has played there um, quite a bit. Uh, Rad Key, I think, has played there too as well. So, yeah, if, if you're a new band and you're listening to this, it's about 15 minutes off of I-90, and, which is one of the main highways that runs through Chicago. And if you compare that to The Forge, where it's like a 25-minute drive off the highway, it, it, there is no comparison, right? People can come out from the city and they're 10, 15 minutes off the highway. You've got bars, you've got restaurants, you've got a really cool scene in the downtown area. That pulls people to that location. When you're dealing with a place that doesn't really have a lot of that, if you do a weekday show, there's traffic in the city of Chicago and if you're going to eat out, you want to eat close to the to the place where the, the show's at. And Dundee provides that. There's so many cool restaurants. Uh, myself and the Youth Rocks ate right next door, like a block over at this place called Emmett's. We met High Stick Mick. You can follow him at High Stick Mick on Twitter. Uh, him and his friend were eating at the same place, and they got great beer soup. There's all types of bars around there and restaurants. It pulls people to that. So if you do have a show during the week and you're coming from the city, you're like, hey, we can leave now. We can grab a bite to eat, go right to the show, rather than, man, I'm going out to a venue that's a certain distance off of the highway and there's nothing around there for us to eat. So I think I'll pass is what a lot of people say. Um so keep that in mind if, uh, if you're looking to book a gig outside of Chicago. The Rock House, in my opinion, and the Brower House, too, is really right off the highway. It's right off of North Avenue in a town called Lombard. But getting to the show, Blacktop Mojo absolutely delivered. This is the second time I've seen them. I saw them at The Forge back in October of 2019 with a band called Lullwater. Water and another band called Otherwise. And I I will say this show was awesome. Not to say that the one at the Forge wasn't, but the crowd had so much energy at this show, and there was a good synergy between the band and the crowd, similar to what happened at the Vic Theater last week when I saw Rival Sons. Very great. You know, they had great energy, too, with the crowd. And that matters. You know, that matters to the band, too. When they get a crowd, and that crowd is you know a good sized crowd for a wednesday for for a new band and they're into it and they're singing along and they're that means so much to the performance that means so much to how the band feels in the synergy you know you have with the crowd and the crowd delivered and the band absolutely delivered man they sounded awesome they sounded great that room sounds fantastic you know they did a lot of songs off of their self-titled fourth album that just came out here in August and the album is absolutely phenomenal. It's one of the best in 2021. You have to pick it up. uh, If you haven't so yet, you can visit their website, blacktopmojo.com and go to their merch section and buy the album there. I think they may have vinyl. I'm not sure, but if they don't have vinyl, they definitely have the CD and they've got the rest of their CDs too as well. I'm a big fan of buying stuff at the show because I want to make sure that the money goes right to the band, so I held off on buying the CD uh, until Wednesday's show. And I, just awesome. I mean some of the highlights, you know, were laid on, uh, Bed Tundy," which has grown into my favorite song off of the new album. just a killer groove, a killer vibe. I absolutely just love, love. That song won't last. Uh, all mine. Come and get your coat. Are also some big highlights too, as well. Just an absolute great performance. You know these guys have been around for close to ten years, and they've had some recent changes in the band, but they are tight, man. You could tell that there's, you know, a, a big camaraderie with the band and with the guys in the group. They enjoy playing with each other. Uh, which is something that is is really important uh it makes the show so much better makes the band sound so tight uh had a chance to talk with Matt James, the singer briefly after the show, told him what a great performance it was uh He sounded absolutely phenomenal as did the band they've got a good you know good thing going, and as you'll hear in the interview with Kat, they have some really good things coming up in. 2022. They're excited about some things, and hopefully those things do come to fruition. I know until it's announced, it's not really official, and there's always a chance you know things can change. But um, yeah, I, I hope I hope that continues for them, and I hope that they get on to a good tour and get some really good exposure because they deserve it. They they release good music, great music. they you know this last album here. From the first song to the last, each song gets better. Like the song after the second track, the third one is better than the fourth one, it's better than the fifth. You know, it, it just keeps going. And you're sitting there listening to it and you're like, I was talking to Chris Corradetti, who does the end of the quarter, end of the year album reviews. And I go, this album is so damn good. Like it's really good. Like you're listening to it and it's just so like, this is a really good fucking album like, wow. And of course we live in a time where great music is not always accepted by the masses and hopefully that changes, but this is a band that continues to evolve and continues to great to, to make great music. And my only hope for them is that they get appreciated like they should because they deserve it. They're a great band, great group of uh, guys and they make absolutely fantastic music. They did a really cool uh, encore. They did an acoustic version of "My Girl," yes, the old Motown song "My Girl," and it was awesome. And they ended the show with "Tush" by ZZ Top, and it just banged, man. It was, it was awesome. Uh, just great guitar work, great, great version. They they just nailed it. Uh, a perfect way for that band to and the night because, man, you know it's it's. Whenever you're doing a cover of a legendary song by a legendary band, you know the first thing I do is because you know I'm so familiar with that song that ZZ Top does. I kind of listen and, and see if you know they're doing right by it, and they do they do a great job. They absolutely kill it. Um, a great way to end the evening. The crowd, like I said, was into it from song one. To the last song, they did 16 songs, 15, 16 songs. That's awesome. You know, um, they've got four albums. You should own all of them. If you don't, again, go order them or go see them on tour. Um, they, they, they have this philosophy, which is really cool, that they're building their audience one show at a time. You know, they're they're doing it old school. They're playing at places that, you know, who knows how many people are going to show up. And Kat has said that the crowds have been really good. And based on what I saw at the Rock House, I'm happy that they are. When I walked into that room on Wednesday and I saw the crowd, I'm like, wow, this is good. I'm happy for them. I told high stick Mick. I'm like, I'm really happy they got a great crowd because, you know, I've been to some shows, you know, during the week that haven't been so good. And it's disappointing because I know these bands are disappointed and I know the music is so good. And it's, it's disappointing when you don't see a good turnout, but they had a, a really nice turnout, and the and the crowd was was so into it. And I was surprised too because these guys get n- like no radio airplay, at least in Chicago. I've never heard them, and people are singing along. People, I mean, this one guy in front of me had so much energy; it was just absolutely incredible. He was into it from, and he was probably older than me. And I'm 46, and he was it was like a cardio workout for this dude. He was so into it. The crowd was just having a great time, and for a band like Blacktop Mojo to have that crowd on a Wednesday night uh was put a smile on my face because I know how hard that band works and I know how great their music is and it's nice to see a good crowd appreciate what they're doing um so I was I was happy and continued success for these guys on the rest of the tour I know, I think they're touring through the end of November. So if you haven't seen them yet, go to their website and check them out. Uh, I guarantee you, you will love the show. You'll love the music. You know, they're, they're a very powerful band. I mean, Matt sounds so good. The band sounds absolutely phenomenal. It's just, man, it, you got to go. My recommendation is you got to go. You got to go check them out. Check out the interview here coming up with Cat. Let's get to it. Hope you enjoy it. Like I mentioned, we've got a great episode for you today. Uh, It is the third time a member of this band has appeared on the Hook Rocks, and I'm really excited because their fourth album, their self-titled album, Blacktop Mojo, is absolutely incredible. I'd like to welcome in bass player Cat from Blacktop Mojo. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, brother, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How's the tour going? Man, it's
2: been it's been pretty smooth, you know. Uh we haven't had near as many bus issues as we did the last run. So we're thankful for that and man, all the shows have been great. You know, we've had pretty great turnouts and just people ready to be back out there and rocking and uh man the shows have been going smooth, like everybody's just been, you know, kicking ass and
3: taking names, man. That's awesome. Well, we're yeah, gonna, been, yeah. been, oh, no, I was just saying, it's been great. We're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about the album, the music, and what's been going on with you guys. But before we do that, we always ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest, and that is what the show is all about. Just like every great rock song that has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan uh-huh. has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked you on rock and roll what was it
2: hmm let me think about this because you know from the time i was young the first time i really heard anything that would be considered i guess rock and roll music whether it was you know uh stuff my older brother was playing like you know back in the day he was listening you know what everybody was to do he listened to Creed he listened to Incubus he listened to uh, Nickelback and you know whatever was going on at the time and so I would hear that and I would always like you know really dig it like I always uh, was fascinated and just loved the sound of heavy guitars just thundering drums like killer bass lines and powerful vocals and just Ever since i I think, you know, when I was really young, I, I recollect the memory of uh, my dad uh, watching, I don't know, it's probably like VH1 Behind the Music or some kind of, something like that. But I remember seeing like, like the music videos of or the live but there's a band like Kiss and like the, the 80s hair bands and stuff. And just seeing like, you know, these guys just going all out and just, being ridiculous and then power slides and like epic guitar solos just like really into what they're doing and you know i i have a memory of uh in third grade like i would always power slide and do like an air guitar solo to get to my backpack which was in the back of the room so it was just you know and i remember picking that up from watching stuff like that and i guess it's just kind of always been there you know and my dad you know being a musician himself like that's always been an impression on me and he's he's a guitar player and phenomenal singer songwriter himself so with it being family rooted as well as just being around it and picking up on it as a young kid and I guess it's just kind of been a part of me from the early stages of life
3: when did you want to pick up a bass when did it become you know when did that <laughs> instrument you know hook you on wanting to play that uh,
2: Got to, well, I actually was, I didn't really have an interest in bass at first. It was kind of more of a thing that grew on me as I grew as a musician. Also, what my band needed at the time. You know, uh, I originally joined Black Tom Mojo in 2015 playing guitar. Uh, and that was my first love, really. Like, you know, when I was younger, I tried to play drums and I uh, just didn't have the patience for it as a kid, like just sit down and be in one space for too long, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so uh, what happened was is when I was 15, I had a skateboarding accident and broke my leg, and that sat me down long enough to, you know, really put into the interest I had grown in guitar, like just it really sat me down long enough to really focus on it and really fall in love with it as I began to learn it and began to appreciate it, you know, and the the art of it and the uh, craft of it. And then whenever, to answer your question about the bass, and, uh, you know, Nathan and I, after uh, Chris Davis, our original bass player left, like we had, you know, people filling in for us and our, our producer, also played bass for us on a few live gigs. And uh, Nathan and I were always talking about how we almost needed, like, someone that could shred on guitar, but that would be that could play along with a guitarist, but also, like, be a bass player. And we had this conversation on the phone many times. And it would be like I'd be looking in the mirror and be like, yeah, I don't know where we're going to find a guy like that. <laughs> and so uh, in 2016, I uh, moved over to bass. And the first thing I did on bass was our Dream On cover, which most people know when they know us. And uh, that was the first bass thing I laid down for this band, and that's really how I how I came about it. Like our band needed a, a good bass player, so I I just stepped into that role, and like I fell in love with it in a way that I never actually perceived myself doing. So like I never imagined. I would be the bass player, but it I love it. Like it's, it's become more of a love for me than even, you know, being a guitar player ever was because I think I, I don't know, man. It's just happy accidents is what I like to call it. Like Bob Ross says, things happen and they end up being better than what you even envisioned it being sometimes. Hope that rambling answered your question. I kind of like went off on a little rabbit trail there in my thoughts, but
3: absolutely, it's interesting that you mentioned breaking your leg and you know, finding then finding the time to learn guitar. I was just watching the documentary on Stephen Piercey, the, the lead singer of of Rat, and right, he was talking about when he was a kid, he got hit by a car. And broke both oh, wow. of, broke both of his legs, and that propelled <laughs> him to learn Damn. guitar. You know because he yeah. was laid up too as well. So it's interesting that you know out of you know a tragedy or out of something bad, something like that happens. Something good happens like that. You know, um, right? And, as,
2: and it's like at, at at fifteen years old, I was just more interested in hanging out with my friends and doing stupid stuff. Whereas you know if I hadn't broke my legs. Like I probably would have like, you know, not fo- had the focus I had on it, you know, same, same for him. Yeah, absolutely. Wild how That happened.
3: Yeah. As far as influences go, you know, once you picked it up, you know, who were you listening to, to kind of shape your playing and shape your style?
2: Well, <laughs> I think naturally, like most, uh, you know, I think most bass players, when they first pick up the instrument, like everybody knows who Flea is, so you naturally go check that out. But then it's like you start discovering other stuff. Like my my roommate, this is actually I would say a huge influence on me as far as my bass playing goes because uh, my roommate was quite a great bass player himself. His name is Noah Box, and uh, uh, he happened to you know be a professional bass player back in his twenties and then he kinda got off of it but he's still, you know, phenomenal bass player. I learned a lot from him and he was the one that really kinda convinced me to use my fingers and not just, you know, do the guitar player thing and <laughs> move over to bass and just like stick around on it, you know. He really encouraged me to develop a a plucking style and like learn to use my hand that way. So, um he was really influenced by Jocko Pastorius, you know, and like when I I first moved over to bass, like, I uh, started looking, like, at players like that, and then, you know, of course, I had my influences on guitar as well, and most of them, you know, had killer bass players as well, like, I was really influenced by uh, Jerry Cantrell of James Chains, and, you know, Mike Starr and Mike Inez are both killer, and, you know, uh, even Ben Shepard from Soundgarden and stuff like that, they're just, like, little things in like all the bands that I really enjoyed, like even Incubus, as they played they've been phenomenal as well. And uh, then I found Primus as I began to play bass a little bit more. Like, I, you know, I knew who Primus was and like, I knew like, you know, the bigger songs and stuff. But like, I really started to dive in after we uh, played that show with them at, uh, um, I think it was River City Fest in San Antonio. They were headlining like one of the bigger stages or something. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I remember those guys. And so I started listening to all their other stuff and I'm like, Holy shit. Like, what have I been missing out on? (laughs) And so, uh, I started like hearing stuff like that. And then just, uh, I don't know, man, like, like over the years, I've grown different influences for bass. Just as I keep discovering new things and old things and, uh, Becoming a bass player definitely changed my perspective. Like, when I'm listening to music now, like, I'm definitely, like, listening more to the the rhythm section a lot more than, you know, the, the melody of the guitars or the vocals anymore. It's like I'm kind of listening to it from a, you know, just a whole other perspective. So now when I go back and listen to some of my favorite music, I'm like, oh, dang, I never noticed that before. And so then I'll pick up something else from even stuff that i've been listening to the whole time that probably was uh an influence on me subconsciously especially all those uh classic rock bands like that my dad introduced me to when i did pick up the guitar and stuff because when i first started playing guitar you know i was a teenager that skateboarded listening to slipknot and uh uh some 41 and uh linkin park and stuff like that and my dad's like nah he need to learn to play this kind of stuff. And he gives me a foreigner CD and Skinner and the Eagles. And then I had my whole, like pretty much my entire, um, well, the, my late teens, like I had a whole plastic rock phase where like when I was playing guitar, like all my friends were trying to do all the hardcore screamo type stuff. And I was over here learning Zeppelin and Sabbath and, ACVC and
3: stuff like that. Did you find, yeah, I mean, all those bands. I mean, did you find yourself, was it difficult for you to kind of, you know, obviously playing guitar, you know, there's similarities, but there's also a lot of differences in how you play within the band. There's a lot of mm -hmm. differences too, as well. Was that a difficult transition for you?
2: I I don't, no, I don't think it was because, uh, you know, Nathan, always complimented like my rhythm, like as far as being able to like, you know, sync up with him really well. Even when I was playing guitar in every band, I formed like before black, black top. Well, I didn't form black top. I joined into it, but like in any other band I was trying to be in, in the past, like I was always super picky about the bass players. And like, especially in Alabama growing up, like I always had my buddy, Josh Creekmore, who's a great bass player. And, uh, like I I just got used to having him there and having somebody that was that good on the instruments uh, and like, just like had that different perspective on things with the the theory and the stuff like that. And I feel like, um, you know, I, I really was a lot more influenced by things like that. Like then I realized when I did trans over transition over to bass, So, in a way i believe it did make it a lot easier for me to transition over you know
3: as far as the band goes the new album the self-titled album blacktop mojo came out in august it is absolutely fantastic it is a long awaited yeah to the to the you know from the from the previous album you know this album is a lot different in, in in certain ways. I mean, you know, it has <laughs> yeah. it has the blacktop mojo sound, but you guys have definitely evolved and taken a step to the next level in terms of the musicianship and the writing. Where did that come from? Well, what what um, you know what transpired between the last album and this one? I mean, obviously, you know, we have all these things happening in the world, but in in terms of the band internally, you know, where did you guys kind of find you know a different a different way, a different style uh, of of music?
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> there's a cluster of factors that I think can contribute to that, which, I mean, as you know, like, is with anything. But I would say, um, let's see, Chuck joined the band in 2018 and, like, pretty much the Under the Sun album cycle, like we were touring like all of 2019 and 2018 and just all that playing together and that spending time together and growing together and, you know, jamming together all the time just created a, a chemistry, I believe a a new kind of a feel for all of us because we all became comfortable, you know, with Chuck joining the band and me Matt Kiefer and Nate you know we've been playing together for a few years at that point but then Chuck just jumped right in and of course him being the talented ridiculous guitar player and musician he is just filled into his role right there and then with this latest album as as we like I said we were touring together we were riding together we were hanging out all the time we were just around each other and then the pandemic happened like right after we get off that it won't last tour and like we were like in a way, like, on a wild nine kind of feel because that tour went really well and we had just gotten, like, our our uh, new rig that we were riding around in and we were all just, like, seeing, starting to see crowds in places that we hadn't necessarily had much love from in the past and then all of a sudden, you know, the country shuts down and we're just like, oh, wow, okay. So, we all dealt with that loss together as well. And then we all adapted and overcame together throughout 2020. And a lot of the writing, this latest album, I think happened in that time of adaptation and overcoming and sticking into it, sticking it together and just like, uh, coming back out, like still surviving and still being, and actually coming out stronger in a way. And, I think that's where a lot of it came from, man. I believe that, that we are here and it's just that, that bond that we kind of made and the, the, uh, emotions and the stirring of our souls that was going on in the middle of, uh, between Under the Sun and this album here.
3: Was it, you know, you, you talk about everything going on. And you, I know you guys, you know, live under the same roof for now. Most of you guys do. I know, you know, some people.
2: Well, yeah, that's also been a change lately. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, some of the guys getting married and, like, we're all kind of, like, spreading out a little bit, you know. And that's also been, like, you know, a, a difference in the... uh in some things but it's it's not like a bad difference like everybody's just growing up man and uh we're growing and expanding and that's how, how these things go <laughs>
3: How how do you guys manage those differences? I mean, you know, you guys are such a close-knit group, you know, living under the same right. roof. You guys are, are are all good friends and, you know, there are bands out there that have a lot of different dynamics where you know, maybe they're not friends, and maybe they're just you know writing partners, or they're in the same band. But you guys truly, you know, do bleed the Black top mojo. And you know, now when other people are moving out and kind of moving on separately, not from the band but just personally, how does that change the dynamic? How does how does how do you guys manage or, or navigate through those changes? You know, while making a record, while touring. And all those things that come to be, you know, part of a band.
2: Well, I think because at the end of the day, we're all, we're all in this together. And we've always said from the beginning through thick and thin, like no matter how our lives change that, you know, we're there for each other. Like we're looking out for one another because Black Tie Mojo is not just one person. It's our, it's our, it's a whole unit and you become a part of that body and that unit and the body and unit as like Top itself takes care of itself as in all the pieces of it and at the end of the day we, we all come together and we're going to live on that you know bus together anyway so it's like uh, we live together off the road like did life together on and off the road and at the end of the day we know we're coming together and we're going to be the same guys that we were when we got off the bus and went and did our own individual lives and stuff. But we know that we're going to all have each other's best interests at heart and each other's backs. And I think that's how, man, I think we just collectively like just know that we're all, you know, in this together and we're, we're doing what's best for everybody, you know?
3: Do you guys know when you're making an album like the one you just released? Do you know, like, while you're making it, that it kicks
2: ass? (laughs) Actually, yeah. Like, there was really, with this album in particular, we all got in there and there was just this kind of powerful piece. I can't, like, that we just all collectively had. Like, we just went in there and there was just this zen about it. And we, everything went smooth. Everybody knocked out their stuff and we just all filled our roles like perfectly. Like everybody knew what to do and like we'd been, you know, this is our fourth album so we're pretty savvy in the studio by this point. And uh, there was a lot of times like we would get finished (laughs) with a track and just be like, man, that sounds so good. And just knowing that the raw tracks, like coming in from the board, and it sounds that good, and you feel that good about the song. Uh, you just know it's going to be awesome when it's finished, like mixed, mastered, and all the way done. And yeah, there are definitely those moments where you know this is awesome. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters because, like, if you don't like what you're doing, then <laughs> what's the point in doing it? <laughs>
3: yeah absolutely I mean I just know like this album has so many layers to it man it's so it's it's like a canvas right where you paint and you you keep adding color you keep adding shapes to it and it you know it comes out and you know the the album is is one of the best albums that's been released so far this year and and this year has had so much yeah it's had so much great music um was Was the intent to always release this in 2021 or did it, you know, was there, uh, um, you know, was this pushed back from 2020?
2: No, this was like we knew it was going to be released in 2021, obviously, because we uh, came out of uh, 2020 going into the studio in January and we knew it was going to be, you know, at least by fall ish that we knew that we would have it probably completely finished the next semester and everything. But, you know, all the songwriting and stuff that happened in 2020, you know, originally, you know, the plan was to tour out and finish out the cycle for, uh, the under the sun record and then go back and start writing, you know, for, the fourth album which we would have been doing anyway we would have been we're always like writing and creating and stuff but uh, the static EP was kind of like something that we decided to put out there during 2020 that was kind of like well we might as well release this like because we have it you know and give something for everybody to have during this time and then I don't to answer your question like it wasn't it definitely wasn't a twenty twenty thing like we pushed back into twenty twenty one. It was just something we created within twenty twenty and then uh recorded at the very beginning of this year and kinda of we're just like, all right, well we'll put this out once it's done kind of thing.
3: As far as if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes it makes perfect sense. As far as, you know, the tour goes, you know, one of the things that we uh-huh. talked about prior to the pandemic was the state of rock and roll and its struggle to be relevant again. And right. you know, with the new emerging bands that are coming out, like yourselves and other bands too. Have you seen a change in the the crowds? Have you have you seen a change in who's listening to your music in terms of like, is it, is it becoming more of a younger crowd? Have you noticed anything different?
2: Actually, actually, absolutely. We have, like, we've definitely noticed, like we've always like, um, had an appreciation from people that were, you know, around when rock and roll was like, you know, King and stuff like that. And then the younger generation tended to kind of, you know, drift more toward electronic. Kind of just dance music pretty much. And now what we're starting to see is some of those kids that were into music like that, like they're finding an appreciation for music that you know, is just people playing it with their instrument, like with instruments and just like a band jamming together like individuals like just like creating organically something like together you know I, I definitely believe that there's a been a growing interest in that since the pandemic because there have been a lot younger people in their like twenties, 20 to 30 like there's been like a increase in that number of people I've seen out at shows because it's like they haven't really seen like you know, the legendary like rock bands like that we all know like as rock fans like, you know, the Zeppelins and Metallicas and stuff, when they were in the club days, they they had no way of seeing that. So like for them to see a rock band kind of in that vein now, just up there in a small club, like giving it all they got, it's like they've never seen that before. So now it's like, oh, what the heck is this? And then they start telling their friends about it and it just starts like it's a cycle all over again. Really, it's just I think 2020 kind of, in a way, made a death and resurrection kind of thing happen, where there's a uh, interest in live performance and live music, like because we kind of took it for granted before that. You know, I feel like.
3: Well, I've often said on this show and my listeners will know I I I've I've said this several times that you know when you're a young kid and you've got to go through the pandemic and you're not allowed to go to school and you're sitting at home doing the same thing every day you know a lot of right. a, a lot of angst comes out of that and absolutely through angst rock and roll always thrives and i think right. you know some of these uh, ki- yeah. yeah some of these kids who may have gone in listening to pop music or you know, electronic music like you mentioned, after a while when you're doing the same thing every day because you can't go out, mm-hmm. you're limited to what you can do, you're gonna look you're a kid, you're a young kid, you're gonna look for something else to capture your interest. You can only play the same video right. game, you know, enough times. You can only hear the same song right. enough times before you say, yeah. uh, you know, what's this rock music? You know, what's this all about? Yeah. And and I think there's a lot of discovery in that. And I think because there's, a, because there's a lot of that anger and that... I mean, rock and roll has always thrived on the fuck you and the and the anger and the right anger. And it has, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and I think there's no bigger way than being 15, 16 years old, you know, sitting in front of a computer Having screen. That energy. Yeah. Needing something. Needing to change. Needing something. And I think that's why you're seeing all these bands starting to finally, you know get listened by you know young people or have young people finally listen to them, you know, whether it's you guys or, you know, whether it's whomever, you know, I mean, I know right. prior to the pandemic, there was a handful of new bands like Greta Van Fleet or the Struts or some other yeah. bands that were, you know, that made some inwards with young people. But now I think you're seeing a whole bunch of new bands really right. benefit from, you know, young kids finding themselves throughout that pandemic. Uh-
2: a hundred percent, and also, yeah, like just the discovery of something different than what they had been listening through the previous couple of years. You know, it, it's probably like a polar opposite shift in a way.
3: Yeah, and then of and course, and then like you know, when you take when you when a young kid goes sees a, a rock show, right? Like I'm yeah. I'm, I'm taking my 16 year old son to see you guys tomorrow night. He's been in a, a lot of different. Oh concerts, hell yeah! You know, that's awesome, man. But when <laughs> when you see a, you know a rock band and you're a young kid and yeah, that's the coolest shit ever, you know? Absolutely.
2: Like, dude, that's, that's the thing. Like I tell people I had this ACDC phase when I was 16, but I'm not kidding, man. Like the first time I heard that, I just, I don't, I don't forget it. Like, I don't forget that feeling, you know what I mean? That just, that just, ah, this is so freaking ah, so awesome. Like, what is this? You know, kind of thing. And I, I remember several, like, moments like that when I was discovering like like you said like just discovering rock and roll music and discovering like bands that just kicked ass live and like almost were like even more an explosion of energy live than they even could like produce on a record back then you know and then going and like like when I was a teenager, you know YouTube and stuff was there so it's like and what was being put on YouTube was stuff like all those old uh, live footage and live videos from stuff that like like MTV put out and like you couldn't like just watch on tv like so it's like when you wanted to go watch like one of these bands you're discovering play live you just look it up on youtube in class when you were bored and that's how like dude i, I remember watching uh pearl jam 92 that pink pop concert and that that freaking like that was another like significant change in, in my life, I feel like, dude, because I just was just like, Oh my god, like just the passion, the energy, the freaking rawness and realness of it all. Just it it moves you, man. And I think it really like shifts your your uh person in a way.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I mean there's still nothing like it. I mean, I'm I'm in my mid 40s, and when, mm-hmm. I, when I go to a show, I still get that charge. I just saw Rival uh-huh. Sons last week, you know, in Chicago. Oh man! And you know, I, this third time I've seen them, and it's just the crowd was insane. the the the, the music. Hell, yeah. I mean, it was it was awesome, and it's like I still get that charge. And for a young kid, yeah, you know, when they see a band come out, and it's like you know, it's electrifying, man. <laughs> it, like it it really. Yeah. It it touches your soul. I mean, there's nothing. There's there's yeah, no dude. going back. There's no going back. Once there the
2: isn't. Once you hit the lightning rod of rock and roll, man, it's like, well, you're thunderstruck, bro.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I think you know when you see all these new bands like yourselves, and I and, and the album backs it up, right? I mean, you know, we can talk yeah. all you know till we're blue in the face about bringing back rock and roll. When you release right. an album like you guys did you know, it's, it's, oh, wow. it's, it's tremendous, you know, in, in that, because I often believe that whatever's good will be found. And I steal that quote. Cause I, I interviewed Blake Allard from Joyous Wolf and he said that in the interview, he's like, I don't read, I don't, I don't try to, to, to think about the relevancy of rock and roll. If we keep playing good music, people will find us. And I, and I truly believe right. that. eventually that'll happen, yeah, true. you know? Yeah, most definitely. And that's,
2: something honestly like we can attest to because like people are still like finding us on YouTube through videos we put out five years ago yeah. like they're still dis- they're still discovering like that's the beauty of the, the age that we do live in is that that's a lot more accessible to everybody like it's not just what's being pumped through the mainstream or by just word of mouth anymore it's like word of mouth has become a lot larger because of social media and because of things like YouTube and stuff, people are constantly able to find something that may have been there for a few years, but to them it's, it's a brand new thing.
3: I I believe that. I think sometimes we get too caught up in trying to, make rock and roll mainstream again. When in, in reality Or a flash in the pan. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but in reality it's never really been mainstream, right? I mean, it's never I mean, yeah. I mean the Beatles were mainstream, but that was decades ago. But rock and roll is so much cooler when it's not mainstream. When it is right, you know, the underground thing or the, you know, that you know, kids are listening to or when, you know, they are afraid that yeah. their parents hear the the music coming from the bedroom. That's when it's cool. When it's mainstream yeah. It, it 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 it's too shiny. It's too polished. Can be, yeah, for sure. What's next for you guys? You guys are doing this tour, and uh, what's coming up in two thousand twenty two?
2: Well, we uh, we definitely have some things for y'all to be looking out for. Uh, um, well, that I know that we're going to be doing kind of in December uh, with some people. I don't, I don't think I can talk about some of it, but uh, I know uh, we're doing Shiprock. That's one of the next big things. That's going to be uh, February 2022. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be going out on another run for the spring, but I can't announce that yet either. <laughs>
3: All right.
2: So... But we're definitely, y'all definitely know about it. I we're going to, we're going to blast it out there and we'll see it.
3: <laughs> is it, uh, Is it you guys with some, you know, like, like opening or is it going to be like, like this tour is?
2: Okay. So we've, you know, we've had a few like week two week runs as a main support, but we've, most of our tours have been like headlining tours, like even going back to 2017, man, like, I remember, even though, the, like, we were headlining our own tour, it was like, there's sometimes be five people in these small little places we were playing at, and we've just been doing that over the years, like, and kept growing like that, in a way, like, grinding, as you would say, and, uh, you know, because of how people discover you nowadays through the internet, you know, that's grown naturally on its own, as we were as a band, like, the uh, Mojo Nation kind of grew with us. And the main point is is that we're going to be main support for a a band that's uh, been very successful and uh, we're actually pretty cool with and uh, them and their crew. And uh, it's going to be good. And we're going to be going all over the place. And we're going to hit the West Coast, going to hit some Canada, going to hit some Midwest and some... Southeast and northeast, and all that stuff. Those guys, so you
3: guys are invading, yeah. invading the globe.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll get across the pond at some point, man. Like we we get messages and comments all the time from the UK and Ireland and Germany and like all all kinds of places in Europe.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Europe and the UK. You know, it, the rock scene is is doing very well, you know, in terms of...
2: Oh, uh, oh uh, 100%, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, a different, it's a different appreciation over there, man.
3: It really is. For it. Totally is. I look forward to checking it out. <laughs> well, Cat, man, it's been a blast. I do appreciate you doing this, man. I yeah, look forward Drake. to the show tomorrow.
2: Oh, yeah, man. Looking forward to seeing y'all, meeting your son and rocking out with you guys. Dude. It's been a good talking to you.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you very much for doing it. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jay. I appreciate you, brother. All right, everybody, that's Kat from Blacktop Mojo. Check out their tour dates on all social media platforms. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. Take care of yourself. We'll chat soon. Thanks.